edition of the UK Law Review podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. Before we get started, just a quick note to say that my full course on employment law is now available from my website, uklawweekly.com. It covers a wide range of topics from the contract of employment to unfair dismissal, from health and safety legislation through to trade unions and the transfer of undertakings in relation to redundancy. So whether you're studying employment law as part of your course or you just want to find out more about this topic, um, then it's hours worth of content, uh, textbook quality, but at sort of revision guide prices. So um, that's only £15. But with that in mind, let's get started with this week's episode, which is the crown on the application of AR and the Chief Constable of Greater Manchester Police. And the citation for this case is 2018 UKSC 47. And the topic that we're covering in today's podcast is one I have written about before, and while that gives me some insight into the legal issues at play, I'm not sure I am any closer to any right answer as regards the political and social factors, so you'll have to get in touch if I get anything wrong or you have your own views on this topic. Essentially, it is about what should and should not be disclosed as part of a criminal record certificate. And so automatically you can see that there is going to be a balancing act between the privacy rights of the individual and the need to act in a way that is consistent with the public interest. To be more precise, we are talking about enhanced criminal record certificates under section 113B of the Police Act 1997, as opposed to the standard certificates issued under section 113A. The key difference is that while the basic certificates are limited to convictions or cautions, enhanced certificates can include anything that the chief officer, quote, in the chief officer's opinion, ought to be included in the certificate, end quote. So this has caused problems for the appellant in this case, A.R., whose story begins in 2011 when he was acquitted of a rape charge by the Crown Court. The defence that he had presented was that he had never had sexual contact with the victim involved. However, the subject came up again shortly afterwards when AR applied for an enhanced criminal record certificate as part of his application for a job as a lecturer. We know that what is included on this certificate is at the discretion of the chief officer, and in the case of AR, the rape trial and subsequent acquittal had been disclosed. AR's case was that this disclosure should not have taken place as there was no conviction and the certificate did not give the full context of the case, including the evidence as well as the defence that there had been no sexual contact involved whatsoever. As the case made its way through the court hierarchy, the judges in the High Court and Court of Appeal held that the disclosure was fair as it represented a reasonable and proportional means of protecting young and vulnerable people as the certificate intends. In the Supreme Court, this was dealt with as a human rights issue that pertains to the right to privacy under Article 8 of the Convention. Where this situation arises, the starting point is that the state essentially concedes that there has been an interference with the right. That is not the end of the case, however, as Article 8 is a proportional right, and so the next step is to consider whether the interference with the claimant's right to privacy is proportional compared with the broader public interest. The justices referred to another similar case when coming to their decision called the Crown on the application of L and the Commissioner of Police of the Metropolis from 2009. Here L was accused of not supervising her child adequately enough 
and the same issue arose with respect to the resulting Enhanced Criminal Records Certificate. The 2009 Supreme Court held that the disclosure was proportional, given the risk to children, and so the question became whether the court today, in 2018, should follow in the same footsteps. There is no easy answer to this as it gets to a fundamental question about the way that appeals are heard and what the higher court should and should not take into account. As is the case in most areas, an appeal is not an opportunity to completely re-argue the case, but instead to review the reasoning of the lower court. In other words, the question is whether there has been an error in principle or if the judge was, for some reason, wrong to reach the conclusion that they did. Bringing this background to AR, the procedural argument that there had not been sufficient consultation with respect to the issuing of the certificate was not well founded. That had been the decision of the trial judge on the basis that the chief officer was aware of all the circumstances surrounding AR's rape trial, including the potential impact on his employment prospects, and so it could never be said that the decision was ill-informed. The next point to decide was on the substantive issue of what conclusion the chief officer had to arrive at with respect to the evidence in front of them. For AR, the disclosure should not have been made unless there was a clear examination of the evidence that would point to his likely guilt. Of course, this is not really possible without examining the evidence at trial, which would be almost entirely impractical. Instead, it was within the judge's discretion to respect the police interpretation of the evidence in that it was not without substance and that the allegations may be true. Not only was there consideration of the public interest as part of the disclosure, but also that the whole incident is on public record, and so the Enhanced Criminal Record Certificate was not the only way that a potential employer might find out about AR's past. One final point to make is that the guidance given to chief officers when it comes to making these decisions is not especially elucidatory and is very broad. This was a subject of criticism by the Supreme Court and even if it did not affect the final decision in this case, it is worth bearing in mind for the future as it covers not only the consideration of the evidence but also how the potential employers may react to the certificate which is barely covered in the guidance at all. Overall, it is hard not to look at this case and see some of the parallels with the Me Too movement, as we have a man accused of not respecting a woman's boundaries, who is now suffering in his professional life after the woman came forward with her story. That's probably where the similarities end though, and I actually think that this is an example of a case that should cause some concern, as we move forward and these types of cases are likely to come to trial if they haven't already. The thing that I have always found disconcerting about the movement is its willingness to rely on accusations alone as a means for establishing guilt. I don't have to tell you as someone who listens to a legal podcast that this is not really the traditional way that things are done. A person is considered innocent until proven guilty, and this involves a careful examination of the evidence. For many of the stories told by women, this was not necessarily a huge issue as the men in question either admitted their wrongdoing or the evidence was so overwhelming that it became impossible to draw any other conclusion. For a small number of others, however, the cases were less cut and dry, yet trial by media happily found them guilty in the court of public opinion. By this point, even if they are found to be completely innocent, the damage has already been done in a professional sense. That's why this case is worrying, as the enhanced criminal record checks essentially allow the law to move in the same direction, 
and punish people in their professional lives for crimes that they are not guilty of. Thinking about it in these terms, the Article 8 argument becomes rather specious as there is virtually no justification for invading a person's privacy, and any appeals to the public interest are based on the hunches of chief police officers, despite the justice system itself having cleared the individual of wrongdoing. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. I hope you all have a super and merry Christmas, and I will see you all again next week with another case. Alright, bye!